How many of you guys have ever played dodgeball before? Everyone, anyone ever done that before? Ever taken one of those to the noggin? You'll feel that for a couple days, right? Your ears ringing, your face is stinging. Um, hey, listen, we're in Games of Life. That is the series for this month. And uh, we are working our way through different games and how they match up to different aspects of life. And so uh, I am Brad Livingston. I'm the lead pastor here at TC. We're honored that you chose to be with us. And today we're going to talk a little bit about dodgeball and then another game that I think life is like. And how many guys have ever been in a life where things, how many guys have ever felt like there was a season of life where you were constantly in a state of trying to dodge stuff? Anybody ever been there before where like stuff is coming at you from every side and you're just like, you're just trying to figure out how not to get hit. Anybody? No, anybody? Anybody ever been there? So we want to talk a little bit about that and then how we can, uh, another, a little bit of a different game of how it matches up to our life. And so I wanted to look at a few ways that the enemy tends to make life like dodgeball. Now you're going to talk to your neighbor a little bit today. So I hope you sat next to someone you really like. Turn to him. Go ahead and look at him right now. Go on and look at him. Do you like him? Now don't answer it out loud now. Don't answer it out loud. Marriage counseling's today from 12, 15 to, no, I'm just kidding. Like, so we're going, to, we're going to talk to our neighbors a little bit today and have some fun. Let's get into it, man. The ways that the enemy makes life feel like dodgeball, right? So the first thing about dodgeball, man, is it's this constant avoidance of getting hit. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever been They're going to pop the list up on the screen for me. There's this constant, there's number one, the constant avoidance of getting hit, right? So we're constantly avoiding getting hit. And this is on your notes right here. And that's the first fill in the blank for you is how many guys have been at the point in life where you were, you were trying so hard to avoid some sins in your life and things that were coming at you that literally you were walking around completely exhausted, like just exhausted all the time. And what happens when we get exhausted is we tend to over-exaggerate everything, right? So it's like one small thing, like McDonald's ran out of bacon for your biscuit this morning and now the whole day is shot. You know what I'm talking about? Like, because we, oh, it's just going to be such a bad day. They didn't have my latte. Anyways, let's keep going. The second thing that tends to happen, right, is that we get anxiety, right, anxiety of what might be coming. So in, in, like in dodgeball, right, you can't ever, like, relax for a second. It's this constant anxiety of, like, what might be coming that you can't see yet. You know what I'm talking about? Now, how many of us have ever been there in life where we were living in this place of, like, in this constant anxiety of what might be coming at us? Right, and so like you, you, you're, you're reluctant to even like, when something misses you barely, you're reluctant to even try to even talk about it because you're already looking for the next thing to be coming, all right? Then the next one, the third one, I think this is one of the hardest ones, is that you can never celebrate your victories. In dodgeball, when something misses you, you can't even like clap for a second because there's already something else in the air coming right at your face, <laughs> like, you know? And so the enemy does a really good job at making life feel like a game of dodgeball. And I think we have a picture to best sum up what sometimes we all feel like. Go ahead and throw it up there, guys. Boom, there it is, right? This is how half of us feel in life every day, especially if you have kids. You know what I'm talking Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, so, man, we just feel like we're just walking, just walking, and then out of nowhere, we just get slapped in the face with some craziness, and it comes at us constantly. How many guys have ever felt like dodge, so like life was playing a game of dodgeball? Where you at? Raise your hands. Good. We're going we're gonna to deal with that a little bit. But I feel like when life is lived properly, and when we live life in these two avenues, which is the healthiest way to live life, which is through relationships and accountability. Turn to your neighbor and say, relationships 
Now turn to the person on the other side of you, you just neglected, and tell them accountability. You are always neglected on the other side. Like they don't get no love. Don't sit on the left side of anybody. You know what I'm talking about? Relationships and accountability is what we want to talk about today because relationships and accountability put us in a position to where we're playing a game less like dodgeball and more like Red Rover. How many of y'all ever played Red Rover before? Y'all know what that is? Right? So Red Rover, like you got two lines on each side of the field. I think Red Rover was like a game that adults invented to try to make kids as exhausted as possible before they came in from PE is all it really was. But so there's a line of people on each side of a field, they're holding hands and they say, Red Rover, Red Rover, send so-and-so on over. And they take off running as fast as they can at this line of people. This already sounds terrible, doesn't it? Like who thought of this? Stephen King? Anyway, so, so they take off running after this line of people and they're holding hands and, it, and they hit where two people are holding hands. And if they break the chain, then they win. And if they don't break the chain, then they lose and they're out. Okay. So then they get a people. So that's how Red Rover works. So um, I believe that life and when it's lived correctly in relationships should look a lot more like Red Rover and feel a lot less like dodgeball. And so there's some keys to winning in life and keys to winning in Red Rover. Let's look at those real quick. The keys to winning, number one, is you've got to get and stay connected. You've got to get and stay connected. Some people are really good at getting connected, but they're not good at staying connected. And then there are some people that are terrible at both. What do I mean connected? I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about healthy, life-giving, biblical, building relationships in your life. People that are going to encourage you and walk with you. And we need to get and stay connected to these relationships in life. Number two, you've got to admit your weakness. In these relationships, if you're going to win, you've got to admit your weakness. Listen, in Red Rover, if you've got a sprained left wrist, you need to let the person on the other side of you know that. Right? Because like, they don't want to be losing just because you're bad at your job. And in life, man, you have to admit the places in your life where you're the weakest and where the enemy tends to get you the most. Because if you can admit those things, then you can beat them. But you can never beat them if you don't acknowledge that they're there. Number three, you've got to hold on when it gets tough. How many of y'all life has ever got tough before? Where y'all at? Life just... Like, how many limbs can I hold up? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, you got to hold on when it gets tough. See, what we tend to do is we tend to get lackadaisical and lazy when things are going well. And then when things get tough, we forget that we need to be holding on tighter. Number four, this is the last one. Keys to winning. Realize it's impossible to win alone. And some of us have tried this before. We, we've, we've gone out, we've tried to win alone. We've tried to run this race. I'm telling you right now, friend, if you are trying to walk the Christian walk by yourself, you are going to fail every time. Because you can't win alone. God built us to be relational people. He built us to be in community. You go back to the book of Acts. And everyone wants to talk about the book of Acts and having the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. They have power when the Holy Spirit came upon them because they were all together in one accord in community. And so you're not going to have the power to walk out this life of Christ outside of community or you'll always be losing. You may end up winning the war, but you'll lose so many battles in the process. 
And I'm about you guys, I'm ready to start winning some battles while we're winning the war. We know Jesus already won the war at Calvary. We already know our eternity is secure. We already know he's the winner. We already know he's defeated death, hell, and the grave. We already know that Satan has been destroyed. We already know that he is the winner. Jesus already won it. How many of y'all are glad you're on the winning team, right? Jesus already won. But how about as we're working our way towards that winning victory of the overall war where we get to receive our prize, I'd like to win a few battles in the process and not be losing the whole way there. And so we got to realize it's impossible to win alone, right? So what we want to bring to you guys today is four reasons why you need to link up. Turn to your neighbor and say, link up. That's what you do. Red Rover, you link up. You grab a hold of the hand of the person next to you. Even if they smell bad, you got to hold the hand, all right? So you, you got to link up with the person next to you. And in community, we have to link up with people. And in our church, the best way that we talk about doing that is through small groups. We need to be part of relationships that can help change our life. Four reasons why you need to link up. Number one, because somebody, you got to have somebody that can call it out in your life. See, here's the reality. is None of us are as strong as we'd like to believe we are. And none of us are as good as we'd like to believe we are. We need somebody in our life that can call out the nonsense that we continue to allow to be part of our life. So if you're, if you're dating somebody, you need somebody to walk into your life and be like, man, you need to let that clown go. Right? If you, got, if you have an addiction, you have a problem. So let me, I want to break down small groups for you for just a second. Because I want to tell you what small groups are for and what they're not for. So people, a lot of people believe that we just want small groups so that we can all play basketball together. Yes, that is a great goal of why they exist. And, and we definitely want to have things in common. And we want to do those things. We want to appreciate those things. But the reality is this. And some of you have actually heard us talk about this before. So some of you, this isn't going to be new. But for some of you, it is. And I want you to grab a hold of this. We all walk around with a mask. It's called the I'm fine mask. Someone comes up to you, how are you doing today? I'm fine. But you're not, right? Well, you are, but what does fine stand for, right? Freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional, right? So I'm fine. Yes, you are. You are freaked out and emotional right now, and you need something. Okay, so, so we walk around wearing the I'm fine mask. Behind that mask is the real us. It's the hurts that we deal with. It's the addictions that we have. It's the problems we can't get rid of. It's the unforgiveness that controls our life. It's the bitterness that we don't want to uh, surrender to Christ. It's these areas of our life that we want to hold on to, um, or better yet, we're not willing to let go of because we don't know what it's going to take to get rid of it. And so behind the mask sits our scars in the real us. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's the real me. That's right. It's the real me. Some of you, your neighbor might not be sitting there if they saw the real. No, I'm just kidding. So, but behind you, behind your I'm fine mask is the real you. And, and what happens is how many of you right now want to stand up here in front of 300 people and tell everyone all your deepest, darkest secrets? Nobody, Right. Why? Because it ain't none of y'all's business. What, you know, like, hey, that and, if we're all honest, we don't trust all y'all. All right? Because y'all know that's what it really is. I love all you at this distance. But I, I don't know if I'm ready to let all you into this. I'm not ready to take this mask off. So I'm not ready to take off the I'm fine mask in front of everybody. So why do small groups exist? Small groups exist because you need to meet someone that you can be real enough with to tell them the real you and take the mask off in front of. So small groups create opportunities 
for you to show someone what you're really dealing with. So what happens is you go to a small group and, and Neil, Tim, some of my guys that, man, we met, they're, they're a part of the church now. We met at a basketball small group. So I, I hosted a basketball small group for five years, every semester, five years. So they joined the church. Tim joins the church and he's like, man, it's a lot of white people at this church. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So you can laugh. It's okay. It's a, we're, the, we're that kind of church where you can laugh at that joke. All right. So Tim comes in. He's like, I don't know, man. This, ain't, this isn't how I grew up in church. And he told me this story so I can tell it to you. And, um, but he said, man, they got a basketball small group. So he came to the basketball small group. And then he came back again. And then he came back again. Do you know the first time he walked in that door, he walked in. He said, Pastor Brad, here's my deepest, darkest secrets. I want you to know all of them. I'm lying. That's not what he said. <laughs> he Matter of fact, it was almost a year and a half of him coming to my small group before he actually sat down with me one day and said, hey, man, I want to show you the real me. I, I need to show you there's some things that I deal with, and I can't be the only one that deals with them anymore. I need someone else on my team. And he sat down. He said he took the mask off because he found out he could trust me. How did he find out he could trust me? Because we were in a relationship in our small group. So he took the mask off. This is what I'm dealing with. I said, man, that's crazy. Don't ever talk to me again. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what I said. I said, man, all right. I said, what can I do to help you through this? And he said, man, I could really use this. I could use this and I could use this. I said, perfect. Then let's do that. And so since then, now we've been a year into that and we walk that out every day together through relationship. But here's the key. In Tim's life, I can call it out. I see something unhealthy going on in Tim's life in the, in the area that he spoke to me about. I'm like, hey, hey, that thing right there, don't mess with that. And you got to have some people in your life that will call out the nonsense that you would allow if it's up to you. Because how many of you guys know we are not good self-evaluators? We tend to tell ourselves we are far more healthy than we really are. Right? Like, no, 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 I'm good. I can handle this. No, you can't. If you could, you would have beat it 10 years ago. You need someone in your life that can call out the stuff that nobody else will call out. Let's jump over to 2 Samuel. I want to tell you a story about David. 2 Samuel 21. It's in your notes, 21:15. So what's happening here is David is a king at this point. And he's, he's actually a little older in his age. He's won battle after battle after battle. All right? So he's like... He's the dude. They, used, they would sing songs back in the day. Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. Like he was that dude, okay? So, so this, we're in 2 Samuel here. This is later in life for David. And it says, there was a war, or there was war again between the Philistines and Israel, all right? And David went down together with his servants, right? So David goes with his group. You with me? And they fought against the Philistines, and David grew weary. What that means is that he grew tired. And when we dig deeper, we find out that David was exhausted. How many guys remember we talked about exhausted, right? David was exhausted, but he wasn't exhausted um, from one time battling. He was exhausted from the continual battle. He had won the battle and won the battle and won the war and won the war. And he was, he had won so many times, but in this point in life, he realized that he was at a point where he wasn't going to win it this time. And guys, let me tell you something. You may be at different points in your life where you can win the battle, win the battle, win the battle. But the day is coming where you're not going to beat that thing that is trying to beat you. And you have to recognize that. So David grew weary. And so 
David grows weary, and what, he, what we have to recognize is, is, and what we'll see in a minute, is that his servants, he brought his servants, he brought his group, he was part of a relationship, his servants recognized that he was weary. James 5.16 tells us this. It says, make this your common practice. Turn to your neighbor and say, common practice. This ain't once a year, folks. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together. Here's the best part. Say this with me. Whole and healed. How many of y'all ready to live whole and healed? Like how, many, how many of y'all want the blessing of God just to, to stir up in your life? You want, you want God to be, do you want purpose? You want destiny? You want fulfillment? You want accomplishment? You want to wake up tomorrow saying, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad. Like, I'm not waking up tomorrow going, oh, this same thing again. No, no, I'm waking up tomorrow looking for everything that God has for me. Well, the secret to the whole and healed life is confess your sins to each other. Now, why is that the case? Why got to tell everybody my business? Right? The truth is, secrets are built to destroy you. You can never be healed as long as you let the infection sit in your body. How do you get rid of the infection? You got to let somebody else clean it out. So, how do we get whole and healed? We get whole and healed by confessing our sins to each other. Who do I, how do I know who to confess my sins to? Listen, Right now, I want you to look across the sanctuary. Go, look across the sanctuary. If you're watching us on live stream, look at Facebook. I don't know what you're doing. Right? right? You see somebody over there? I want you to go tell them your sins. Right? I'm just kidding. Don't go do that. That was a joke. Right? Some of y'all are like, uh-uh, no, uh-uh. I don't know that person. Listen, the reality is this. How do you know who you confess your sins to? You confess your sins to someone you can trust. I'm not crazy, man. Listen, there are about three people in my world that I trust with everything. I love Aaron James, Pastor Aaron James at Relevant Life, the way he puts it. I talk about it all the time. He says, you should have someone in your life that knows enough about you that they could destroy you, but loves you so much that they won't. You need to have that type of relationship with someone, that they know everything about you. Why? Because that's the only way you're going to be whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God it's something powerful to be reckoned with. Here's the deal, folks. For salvation, all you need is Jesus. Your eternity, if you, are, if, you are, if you have given your life to Jesus, you put your faith in him, you're walking with him, your eternity is secured in who Jesus is. But your daily defeat comes when you don't have people in your life. So your eternity is in Christ, but your freedom is in people. So if you think you can just run this race on your own, you're wrong. I say that respectfully. You're wrong. Okay, so prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. You want to be someone that wakes up with purpose. You want to be someone that every time you wake up, the devil has to create a game plan for what you're going to do for the kingdom of God today. Then you need people in your life that you can be whole and healed with. I love uh, this quote right here. Um, this is from Chilean Newbell. It says this. It says, understanding that we are all battling on the same team. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're on the same team. What team is that? That we all have sinned. Who's blew it before? Messed up, sinned. How many of y'all got some stuff in your past, right? I know. So I see some of y'all putting two hands up. I see you, right? Listen, we, we've messed it up, man. We've blown it. We got it. So we've all sinned. We're on the same team. The Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one, right? Means we can freely share with these 
close, trusted friends. Close, trusted friends, all right? There's some people I ain't telling my business to, okay? Accountability allows us to confess patterns of temptation, and in doing so, we are restrained from actual transgression. What it means is, how, when we gave our heart to Jesus, some of us got freed from stuff right away, right? Some of us, our bitterness went away. I, I used to be an angry person, man. I grew up with anger in my heart. Um, I, I was also, before I got saved, I got into drugs and all that stuff. When I got saved, I never cared ever again about smoking anything, drinking anything. It was just gone. It was 100%. God did it. Boom. Done. But that anger, though, come on, somebody. I got to put that to death every day because people can't drive in Pensacola, Florida. Y'all know what I'm talking about? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, so, but here's the deal, right? Some of y'all are like, I know. Okay, no, listen. But here's the deal, accountability, right? So having that relationship with people allows us to confess this word right here, patterns. What you deal with, you know you deal with. The thing you struggle with, you already know what it is. This isn't anything new. The devil doesn't come against you with a new plan every morning and a new temptation. He comes to you with a new plan of the same temptation. Like It's the same thing over and over again. You know your struggle and you know what you war with every day and you continue to war with it. I hate the lie that the church has built that says that if you were really saved, you would never deal with that ever again. It's a lie. It's not true. You can love Jesus, be passionately in love with the gospel for fulfilling the purpose and the kingdom of God and everything he wants to do in your life on this earth and you will still struggle with something. And any church that tells you that's a lie is wrong. You want to know why? I got Bible to back it up. This ain't PB. This ain't the BLV. This is Bible. Paul said, I wake up, find myself doing the things that I hate doing, but I'm not doing the things that I should be doing. Or I wake up, finding myself not doing the things that I want to do, but I continue to do the things that I don't want to do. He says, I've got this thorn in my flesh that I can't do. I can't do anything about. It continues to irritate me. It continues to bother me. He also said that you have to put your flesh to death daily he didn't say you put it to death one time. He said, you got to wake up every day and put this thing down, which means to me that if the dude that wrote the better half of the New Testament has some stuff to deal with, that means I got some stuff to deal with too. So if you think that you're not qualified for gospel work and what Jesus wants to do in your life because you haven't beaten this thing yet, none of us have beaten this thing yet. That's why we need people. Because we need to confess the patterns of temptation. Even Jesus was tempted. Confess the patterns of temptation. And in doing so, we are restrained from actual commits of sin. Actual transgression. That means if we can get somebody in early enough in the process, we don't have to fall. How many of us are ready to stop falling? Let's bring some people into the process, right? Number two, somebody has got to stand in your gap. Somebody's got to stand in your gap. I don't know about you guys, but I've gotten, I've gotten tired before. Because here's the deal. See, sometimes life is like dodgeball. That means there's everything, just all kinds of stuff is coming at you. But Red Rover is strategic. There's one thing coming with all its power at you. And that's the way the enemy designed it to try to take us down. So someone has to stand in your gap. Uh, I was watching, Pastor and I, 
I like, I like watching MMA, mixed martial arts. Um, it's just a thing, like, hey, if you don't like it, whatever. So um, <laughs> I like watching MMA. I think there's something about two dudes going in a cage and only one coming out. Like, not killing each other, but, yeah, yeah some of y'all are like, what is he watching? What website is that? No, I'm not talking about that. I was talking about, like, hand-to-hand combat. So um, we were watching it one time, and here's the deal. Uh, it was a really small guy against a huge guy. So this is in a no-weight class um, type of environment. So it's this small dude fighting against this big dude, and all the odds were that this big dude was just going to lay him out. Like it was going to be over in 10 seconds. And so they get in the ring, man, or the, the cage, and immediately this little guy just starts just going after this big dude's right thigh. Kick after kick, man. Bam, 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 bam. Bam, for four rounds, just going at that thigh, going at that thigh, going at that thigh. And at the end of the fourth round, what happened is one last kick, bam. And in that kick, he went down. And here's the thing in our life. A lot of times we look at areas of our life and we see them as small. Like, oh, that's not that big a deal. I can totally beat that. That's not, that, that thing's not going to hurt me. And the reality is, you might beat it the first time. You might can take that kick the first time. You might even take it the second time. You might can take it the third time. But eventually, that small thing in your life is going to take you out. When that happens, you need someone that's there to stand in your gap. 2 Samuel 21, 16 and 17. Let's go back to our story of David. Ishbabanab, banabababab, Ishbabanab. One of the descendants of the giants whose spear weighed 300 shekels of bronze. Y'all know how much that is? Me neither. I didn't count it out. I don't know. So, and who was armed with a new sword thought to kill David. So Ishbamanab, one of the descendants. So David killed Goliath. Many of you know that story. So David, a boy, kills Goliath. Well, one of the descendants, one of the sons later in the, in the lineage of Goliath, comes back to kill David. When he comes back to kill David, he thought to kill David, but Abishai, turn to your neighbor and say Abishai. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to his aid and attacked the Philistine and killed him. But here's what I want you to understand about how that works. is a lot of times we, we get people in our life and we think we can count on them because they're like, yeah, I got your back. How many of y'all have heard someone, I got your back. They tell you, I got your back. All of a sudden, you need them, and you're like, well, where? Right? They're so far back there, you can't find them. But here's the deal with Abishai. See, David had grown weary. So the giant, Ishbibonab, waited 40 years. David killed Goliath when he was 17 years old. Ishbibonab waited 40 years to come after David. Because he waited for the opportune time when David was weak. And many of us think that we're winning in our battle with our struggles because we beat it today. But Satan has a long game plan on how to take you out. And so we think because we won today, we've won. No, 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 no. He's still got something for you. And so what happened is it, the Bible says that David grew weary. We saw that. He grew tired. He grew faint from the battles And Abishai steps in. And when Abishai steps in, he doesn't doesn't stand behind David. 
and tell Ishbimanab, hey, you, don't do that. What Abishai does is he steps in front of David and says, hey, he's not your problem anymore. I am. And Pastor tells the story so well. I think it's so powerful. I want to take just, just a minute to, to tell the story. Willie, will you come up here for me for a second, brother? With haste. <laughs> come, come on up, man. Come on up, brother. And this is what happens. This is, come right over here, Willie. This is what happens. As Willie comes in and Willie says, man, I got this thing I'm dealing with. I know you got, she told me you got some stuff. Man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, got, you, got, you got these things that I'm dealing. Behind the mask is this thing. And, and you say, listen, man, I, 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 I can't win this battle on my own. I can't, I can't do this by myself. I've been trying, I've been trying, and I can't do it. And so what you say, what, what happens is you, you bring someone along in the process, right? And I say, all right, Willie, you, you've told me what that is. I'm calling it out. There it is. It's out there, right? And so it's coming, just like Red Rover. That, thing, that person's coming. This thing is coming. There's a thing coming against you. And all of you have been at this place in life where you knew it was coming. The attack was coming. You felt the temptation. You felt the struggle. And before it got there, you were thinking, I wish there was someone else that could help me with this process. And the problem is you got to find the people before you need the help, not after you need the help. So you got to bring people in the process early. And so Willie comes to me and says, hey, man, I got this problem. I'm good right now maybe, or maybe I'm struggling right now, but I got this thing, and I need you to help me with it. And so I see it. I call it out. There it comes, Willie. It's coming. It's coming. And you say, listen, brother, I beat this thing time after time. And maybe in your life you've beat it once, you've beat it twice, you've beat it three times, but that fourth, that fifth, that sixth, that 23rd, you don't know if you're going to beat it that time. And you got to have someone in your life that can say, all right, brother, I'm praying for you, and here's what we're going to do. When that thing starts to come, you stand in front through prayer, and you stand in front and say, listen, Willie is not your problem anymore. Whether it's an addiction, whether it's a struggle, whether it's bitterness, whether it's unforgiveness, nah, he's not your problem anymore. So I'm not going to take you up from the back and say, Willie, I got you, man. Good luck out there. Go get him. Go get him. Go get him. No, 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 no. No, this is how we're going to do this. Because what happens is whenever we become accountable to someone, we stand in front. We take the blows. We stand where the, where things, the struggles come. We stand right here and we say, nah, not today. I'm calling it out for what it is and we're going to beat this thing together because we need someone to stand in the gap for us to help us not just deal with our problems but let's defeat them and be done with it once and for all thanks buddy and so many of us try to wait till we need someone to find someone the problem is you got to find them before you need them so Ishtar comes But Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to his aid, came to David's aid. He said, if you're not, you're probably not. I am. He attacked the Philistine and killed him. Number three, the game switches from me to we. There's something special about the game switching from me to we, y'all. When I'm not fighting this thing by myself anymore, and we finally get to do this together and we get to be victorious in life. And I think, it's, I think it's one thing that we struggle occasionally with something. I think it's another thing to deal with the same thing over and over again for our entire life. Because here's the deal, we talked about this. Once your faith is in Jesus, your eternity is secured. The enemy's goal at that point is not to get you back, it's to stop you from moving forward. 
Salvation for you is step one. There's still a whole lot more that God wants to do in your life. And if he can stop the rest of those steps, he's just as content. But when the game switches from me to we, now we're playing a team game. 2 Samuel 21, 17 says this, the second half of that verse. It says, then David's men swore to him. It's going to pop up on the screen eventually. Swore to him, you shall no longer go out with us to battle. You need to have some people in your life that are like, listen, man, this ain't the fighting season for you. They'll tell you like, man, you need to avoid all of this other stuff. He said, they came to him, David's men, this man, unless it's less you quench the lamp of Israel, but the David's men swore to him, you shall no longer go out to us with us to battle. In other words, David had some people in his life that were saying, listen, your time for fighting is over. And you need to get to a point in your life. See, here's the thing. A lot of our, whether if you're a young saint or older saint, maybe you've been saved for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. If you're still battling the same nonsense for 40 years, then you can't be part of the crew that starts to speak wisdom into the life of younger people. One of the things I love about TC is that we're a multi-generational church. We got people that's been saved for 40 years, our Thornhills, and some of our people that's been in this game for a long time. And the Godwins, man, God bless you guys that, man, you've battled through some of this stuff. You've been through, you know the power of relationship. You know what it means to be accountable. So you know the power of relationship and accountability. You know what these things can do in someone's life. And so we come to people like you and say, all right, now that you're not battling anymore, what we need you to do is we need you to speak into our life about what it looks like for us to be victorious and that can be in small groups too from me to we Galatians 6 2 says carry each other's burdens it's gonna pop up carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ carry each other's burdens from me to we number four the last one this means we can celebrate together. Because here's the deal. When you step, when, as an Abishai, when you step in front of David, when you step in front of your David, and, and, and you step and you gotta have someone that does that, but that person's gotta have somebody step in front of them too, because it's only a matter of time before that battle gets too much for them. But here's the deal. When we've won, we've won together. Turn to your neighbor and say, together. We've won together. Like this victory is not just mine, it's ours. I love being in conversation with my brothers when they call me and they're like, hey man, you remember that thing that we were talking about two weeks ago? Remember the thing we were talking about a month ago? Listen, man, we're beating it, we're beating it. Every day, I want it less. Every day, I wanna do that thing less. Every time that every time it starts to come up, it's getting to where I don't even have to text you anymore. I just put that thing to death. I just speak to it and declare that it has no foothold in my life anymore, that the truth is that we're overcoming that together. And so they get to speak victories and I get to celebrate with them about the victories that they're taking in their life through the power of what God is doing. And we need to get to a place in our relationships when it goes from me to we, that we get to celebrate together in what God is doing to bring victory into the life of his people. Anybody ever been to a birthday party by yourself? You were the only one at the party? No, that's a terrible party. Right? But y'all been to the, how many of y'all been to those, those gatherings with all your friends? Everyone's in there and we're all having a good time. Man, I'm ready for the relationships 
that I have with people who are trying to walk me through this Christian journey, I'm ready for every time we get together, it looks like the greatest party we've ever had with the most amount of fun because it's with people who were with me on the journey. I've been a part of teams, basketball teams, football teams. When we all lose together, at least we lost together. You know what I'm saying? We, got, we can blame it on somebody. It was that guy's fault. But when you get to win the championship and you're on a team, there's something about the locker room afterwards. And I'm ready to be part of a team. And I already am part of a team, but some of you guys have been trying to walk this journey out by yourself. And your victories aren't as sweet and your defeats are even worse. But God is speaking to you today. It's time that you build some relationships to carry you through so that life is not like dodgeball, but that we get to link up and be part of something that God is gonna do in our lives. Let's pray today. Father, I just declare right now, Lord, some of the people in this room, they've, they've become weary, like David, they've become weary, they're tired. God, I, I just pray right now, if that's you in this sanctuary, we don't usually do this, but I wanna take just a moment. If that's you today, you felt like life has been a game of dodgeball lately. Maybe the last few days, the last few weeks, some of y'all are like, fam, the last few decades. You're like, I am tired. Life has felt like a game of dodgeball. I've spent the last however long just trying not to get hit. I can't even enjoy my victories when they go well because I feel like there's already something in the air that's coming from the enemy. But today, I wanna celebrate joining a team where God is gonna make the difference. If that's you today and you're tired, I wanna pray for you. If that's you today, you say, Pastor, I'm tired. I just want you to raise your hand or say it out loud. I'm just kidding, you can just raise your hand. You say, Pastor, I'm tired, man. Dodgeball, addictions, struggles, bitterness, unforgiveness, hatred has taken root in my life. And I can't possibly be victorious. I can't overcome the struggle until I let go of the pain. Father, I pray for every person that's in this room that's got their hand raised or those that don't, but that's them. God, they need to have a breath of the Holy Spirit breathed into their life. God, we need, we need to celebrate victories right now. We need you to do a work. God, I, I pray right now where people have lacked joy. God, I pray that you bring an abundance of laughter and joy and celebration and victory into their heart. God, for those who have been distraught and brought down with anxiety, God, I pray that you bring an abundance of peace that overflows their life. God, where they have, have been constantly looking for the next thing to hit. God, I pray that you bring peace into their life where they can move through life as if they were floating, as if they were being carried, knowing, God, that you can deflect the attacks of the enemy in their life. God, I pray that you bring joy, you bring peace, you bring victory. Right now, if that's you, I'm not a name it and claim it guy, but I want you to speak it over your own life for just a minute and say, I'm gonna have victory. I'm going to beat this. Listen to me for a second. 
There's one way that's gonna happen. It's through relationships. I wanna encourage you to do this. It's gonna have to, it's gonna require my staff to move a few things around. But I wanna make, I want each, I want a staff member on the back corners of each one in this sanctuary holding the list of small group signups. We had small group sign up a few weeks ago and I think, I think the enemy convinced some of you that you didn't need it. You are good enough. I'm good enough by myself. I got this. It's a lie. You need somebody. You, you told yourself, oh, I'll just do it later. No, you didn't. It's been three weeks. You ain't done nothing. You need people in your life. So my staff members are gonna get in each where the corner or the stairwells are for the balcony, they're gonna be in those corners by the exits. And I want you guys to grab one of those lists. And if you haven't joined a small group yet, I want you to join one today. And I want you to turn the me into we. And let's become victorious in Jesus' name. And let's beat this thing once and for all. Stop playing dodgeball. Start playing on a team. Before we end today, maybe you're in this room and you say, Pastor, that, all that sounds really, really good, but there's still something else missing. If you're in this room and, and you say, man, honestly, Jesus isn't in my heart. He doesn't control my life. See, the thing is, you can try to be on the team, but at the end of the day, Jesus is our captain and our coach. He's the greatest thing that's ever happened to us because he brought freedom. The Bible says this, that none of us, none of us are righteous, that we've all sinned. I've sinned, you've sinned, we've, we've all sinned. And that sin separated us from God. But here's the beauty of the gospel, that God said that he loved the world so much, he sent his only son to die and pay for our sins because we couldn't pay for them ourselves. And today, if you wanna be saved, if you want heaven to be your destination, if you wanna spend an eternity with God who loves you, all you've gotta do is put your faith in him. The Bible says that we repent of our sins, so we turn away from them. That's a spiritual thing. We turn away from our sins, never to go back. But then we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We believe that when he died on the cross, he paid for our sins. And that that is going to transform us into a new person to become like Christ. And that's you today. You wanna know Jesus. You want him to take control of your life. You wanna love him. That's you, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna point you out. I want everyone to go ahead and bow your heads again, close your eyes. No one's looking around. No one's looking at you today. This is between you and God. You say, pastor, I wanna be saved. I wanna give my life to Jesus. That's you, I'm not gonna to come to you. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna point you out. I wanna pray for you today. That's you, I want you just to raise your hand right where you're at. I want Jesus in my life, Pastor. I wanna be saved. I wanna spend eternity in him. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. I told you, I'm not gonna embarrass you. God bless you. I want Jesus to take control of my life, Pastor. I'm tired of fighting this battle alone. I'm tired of feeling like I'm on the losing team all the time. I'm ready to be part of something else. God bless you. God bless you, hands are going up. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Here's what we're gonna do, church. We're gonna pray together. If you're watching us on live stream, you can pray this prayer with us as well. If you wanna give your heart to Jesus, we're gonna pray this prayer. This prayer doesn't make you saved. This prayer is an acknowledgement of what you're, what you're believing in your heart, all right? 
And so we want to speak out of our mouth what we're believing in our heart. But you're not going to pray it alone. The whole church is going to pray with you. You're not going to be by yourself. So church, let's pray this with our brothers and sisters today. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe that you died on the cross, that you rose three days later, that through your life, through your death, and through your resurrection, I can be saved. I believe in you. I wanna follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church, put your hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps the very first time. Man, we celebrate with you. Awesome, awesome, awesome.